Ladies and gentlemen, he's back. My guy, the killer Mike to my LP, Sheldon Alexander. He's back. That's high praise. I, I am back. I am back. Uh, it's been a long time. And uh, yeah, it feels like a while because I know the last time I was on, first off, apologies for how terrible my voice sounded during that pod. I actually did listen to, back to it because I think actually I spoke to LT who was like, dude, I heard you. I knew, I know you said that you were sick, but I listened to the pod and I was like, holy shit, are you okay? <laughs> and I was like, actually, no. <laughs> um, and obviously we laugh now to like mask the fucking seriousness or the chaos of what the last couple of weeks are. But yeah, if you guys follow me on socials, I posted that I did have COVID. I tested positive for COVID about, I guess it would be what, three weeks ago now? Yep. But um, yeah, so pretty rough for sure. And we'll talk about it more at the end of the pod, I think. Uh, don't want to start the pod on a, such a like low energy, sad note. But I did want to say right off the front end, thank you to everyone who sent messages uh, to me on socials or through text or through whatever. Um, really appreciate it. I saw the messages, appreciate them so much. Um, I really, really, really did. And um, appreciated all the positive messages and the positive energy. It was needed. And thank you guys so much. And it was a reminder of like, I'll talk a little later as to like why I decided to post about it. But the responses, like I didn't post it to get responses of people being like, hey, get well. But I will say that it was a pretty uh, good reminder of the community that we have here. Um, got some really nice messages from people that I really appreciate that were just really nice and really positive and really warm. And yeah, we got a good squad here that we've come, uh, we've built up here that all love the challenge and we gather every week to talk about the challenge. And it just feels good to be able to be back doing normal ish, like talking about the challenge, right? Like you take those things for granted, but when you literally can't do it, it's like, Oh yeah. So as I said, yeah, we'll talk about that serious stuff at the end, but just wanted to say off the top, thanks to everyone who did message me and feeling a whole lot better. Um, Still not fully back, but good enough to uh, enjoy the challenge and to show my face on camera. <laughs> there are people complaining, and obviously people don't know, but there are people on YouTube that were like, hey, where are the last two episodes? Like, haven't seen any videos. It's like, um, first off, the first week, you probably didn't want to see my face. <laughs> I'll say that. And last week, obviously, uh, you and LT did the pod. And shouts to LT. Great job coming in. We should have a day, like maybe when something big, like when there's a massive episode that happens, we'll do a three-man pod and bring LTZ back. Uh, but great job last week. I did enjoy the pod last week. Fessy's a complete moron. You guys did a great job. It was a good job. Thank you. It's really good to see your face. I missed you. And for our listeners, uh, they should especially feel bad for you because what happens when Sheldon gets sick? I text him every day to make sure he's okay. <laughs> I did appreciate that. I did, I did appreciate that. For sure. I, I haven't introduced myself. For those of you who somehow don't know who I am when we're like five minutes into our 159th episode. But I'm John Chidley Hill, 
and this is You Killed It, the podcast about the challenge, talking about double agents. So good to be reunited with my guy, Sheldon. Yes, and, you know, I'm not going to get too far into it, but I will say Fessy is a moron. I know I just I said that already, but, like, that was one of the worst gameplay moves I've ever seen. And, like, why would anybody ever trust Fessy in this game ever again? Like, it, it's absolutely insane. But that's all. We don't have to deep dive into it. You guys did a great job last week. But, wow. Well, <laughs> that's all I'll say. What's nice, Sheldon, is you and I are still friends, unlike Corey and Fessy, who get back to the house after Fessy sends Nelson packing. And Corey goes to do the angry workout which is, yeah. you know, a classic bro move. And Fessy basically goes to sit with him, basically to face the music. And is like, so, like, we going to talk about this? And they, they start talking about exactly why Corey is doing that angry bench press. Yeah. Um, I just don't understand Fessy at all. And remove the gameplay aside... But you have to know that people are going to be mad at you, right? So what is your angle in this conversation other than, like, I feel like most normal people would just be like, you know what? I'm sorry. I know it was a tough decision, but from my angle, it was just something I had to do because I saw that event and I thought it would be the best chance for me to get a, a skull because of my football background. And I'm sorry. I apologize but that's what I did it. That's what it was. I understand you guys are mad at me. I get why you guys are mad at me, but at least that's my explanation, and I get why you guys are mad. I'm yeah. sorry. That's it. And, and instead, he's going on this whole thing about, well, one of them were going to go home anyways against me, and it's just like, what? Like, what is happening right now? Like, it was just such an odd, odd reaction, as if, like, like he has a defense yeah. Like he was def trying to defend himself to Corey. And it's like, how do you think that you have a defense in this when you add in the fact that you were playing dirty in the first round against Nelson as well? Right? Like, it, none of this made sense. None of it made sense. Either, like, so Fessy, Messy Fessy, was <laughs> arguing that either way, a friend was going home and a friend of his was going home. And what he was saying, in short, was that either he would send Nelson home or Josh was going to go in. And so it was either Josh or Nelson. Oh. Was... See, I took that the other way. I took that as he was saying he was going to, oh, you're right. I took that the other, I took that the complete wrong way. I took that as like either way he was going to send one of his friends home. <laughs> yeah. And maybe that just because I'm so blinded by because he's so cocky all the time. Do you know what I mean? Like, but. You're right. You're totally right. I totally misread that, what he said. but Or misinterpreted what he said. He sort of phrased it as either I go in and take out Nelson or Josh goes in and Nelson takes out Josh. Like, that's sort of the way he phrased it. He didn't say, like, or Josh goes in and one of them's going to go home. He basically sort of, like, assumed that Josh would just get smoked by Nelson. He's probably right. But, like, the level of disrespect with Josh sitting nearby. And in the scene, 
like the entire house is watching and like yeah i don't think anyone sided with fessy like the closest thing fessy has to an ally in this argument is tori and even she's like hey man like josh i didn't know that you wanted to go in (laughs) like it's but it's not even that because Tori's still mad that Fessy ditched Anissa. Yeah. Right? So like she's still mad at that side of it. I think, you know, Corey, I want to give a lot of credit here because I like how he came at it. Right. Like I like that he kept saying, stop saying Nelson's your friend because you would never do that to your friend in this game. And one thing I will say, right. And we've watched a challenge for years and years and years. I can't remember people who are actually friends doing that to someone who is actually their Like, I can't, I don't remember that. People who might come on the show and play friends while they're during the season. But like, do you know what I mean? Like, we were talking about how, well, I mean, he explained it that he went to Corey's uh, kid reveal or gender reveal. Mm -hmm. Right. So I guess he was insinuating he's better friends with Corey than he is with Nelson. I guess that's what Fessy was trying to insinuate later on in the episode. But to me, it's still like, I, I just liked Corey's energy. Stop saying me he's too. your friend because you wouldn't do that to his to your friend. But also like, I'm your friend and he's my good friend. So why would you do that to me? Mm-hmm. And I think that part makes it so real because it's like, you did this to Nelson, who's supposed to be your friend. You did this to Corey who was also supposed to be your friend. You jumped ahead of Josh, who was supposed to be your friend, right? And then you ditched Anissa, who's supposed to be your friend, right? And did this against Tori, who was friends with Anissa, who was also supposed to be your friend. So like, who who is happy with you with this move? It's also- And then we left out the part where he then stole Josh's partner, right? Yes. He stole Josh's partner, Casey. Just like insult after insult after insult after injury. Speaking of injury, uh, listener Monster Cookie, great name, Mm -hmm. pointed out that uh, apparently Nelson had a dislocated finger and he couldn't close his hand. He has said, um, Nelson that is, that the only people that Nelson had told were Corey, Leroy, and Fassie. So he said that Fessy was putting his knee on his messed up hand, like when they were scrapping in the dirt. Uh, And Fessy also knew that Nelson had lower back problems coming into the season. So if you think about what Fessy was doing in the dirt and like other people in the house wouldn't know, like your Devons, your Durrells, your CTs, they don't know about Nelson's dislocated finger, but Fessy putting his knee on it, Corey would know like how brutal that is. So like Corey's a hundred percent on the right here. Not only is like the politics fucked up, but like to do that to your friend, like Fessy doesn't need to do that to beat Nelson. It's just, I don't even know what Fessy needs to do to win. Right. Because like, I don't know how good, I don't know if Fessy's as good as he thinks he is, but like, he was like jumping on Nelson's back, like slamming him to the ground. There were scenes where you could see that he was lifting up his mask and then shoving dirt in his face. Like, it's just like, what are you doing? To the point where, remember, before the second round started, TJ actually said, hey, Fessy, none of the dirty stuff anymore. Yeah. 
what? So to do all that, to have everyone witness that, and then you come back into the house and that's your energy? Like, yeah, this is what I did. And then, you know, this is where it gets weird because I'm defending Josh, but Josh was in the right. Like he told him pretty much, oh, I want to go in if it's something physical. That's what I feel the most comfortable with. And I know Fessy's right in the sense that Josh is always scared and I get all that. But like they literally had that conversation the day before. Yeah, we saw it to us the day before. Who knows when it actually took place? But you know what I'm saying, right? Like they had that conversation before. And so for you to not even bring up the possibility that, oh, you know what? If it's Hall Brawl, I'm going to go in, which I don't know why, if you know that's the case, why you couldn't just say that. If you're that confident about it, why you wouldn't just say that to everybody ahead of time? then you'd have no problems. And people would not be surprised. I mean, he was a highly touted NCAA prospect who wanted to play professionally. Like, it's not going to, no one's going to be like, what the fuck, Fessy? People are just going to be like, oh yeah, makes sense. Like, you're not that smart. So like, you're not going to be like angling for a puzzle. Like, like this is your wheelhouse yeah. for sure. I just didn't like how he was being so cocky when like all you had to say is sorry. Right. Like, and he was being so cocky with it in his argument, especially with Josh and yelling at Josh, telling him about how you're scared. And now you're now you're going at your friend even worse. You're like twisting the knife to your friend, Josh, in front of the whole house, yelling at him that he's scared every year and you're afraid to go in every year. And you don't need to be saying all that in front of the whole house, do you? No. Right. There, there's just no need. I couldn't believe that. I won't say I felt sorry for Josh, but I like I found myself agreeing with Josh, which is not something I say often. And don't forget as well, Corey was already pissed at Fassi. I think he'd moved past it, but that Fassi and Anissa for two weeks knew how people were voting and Fassi didn't tell Corey. Like, remember that conversation earlier on where Corey was like, man, we're supposed to be allies and friends. And like, you're not telling me critical information that doesn't hurt your game. Like, and Corey's right. Like, it does not hurt Fessy's game to tell Corey and just Corey and maybe just Corey and Nelson that also, they know how people vote. But also when when uh, Fessy is able to see that Corey was actually going along with him. Like, he's someone you could trust. Yeah. None of, none of Fessy's gameplay made sense. And none of his arguments afterwards made sense. But... I think he is the, the, I was going to say something that would have been very inappropriate. He is basically the, uh, the starting point I'll say for what exactly would go wrong for him in this episode for Tori and for Nisa, right? Like they were a happy, uh, union early on. Yep. And all of a sudden, everything flipped for them, and it's all Fessy's fault. Yeah. And I don't know if he's going to take accountability for that. I don't even know if Anise and Tori fully even blame him as much as they should. But here we are. Well, on that note, you know, they always say conspiracy starts with a whisper, and it starts with Big T and the rookie girls getting together and having a conversation about how much they dislike Tori and how Tori is running her mouth far too much. Um, and Big T, who dubs their crew the 
I have to be careful with this because my heart wants to say something else. The itty bitty small committee, which for those of you who know the song, Simon says, know how hard it is for me to not say the rap lyrics. Um, Um, And they basically agree she's got to go. Yeah, I like this squad because they they keep to themselves. They seem like cool people. They seem like they're they're not like trying to cause drama or like stir the pot. They're friends with each other. They're not starting shit. They're not even like going at like their intentions weren't to go at the vets. No, right. It's only because of weeks and weeks of hearing themselves being discussed as weak and. Last week on the pod, you guys were talking about, you guys brought up such a great point about um, the assumption that all of these eliminations are physical challenges, right? Like, it's so ridiculous that, like, you keep thinking week after week that, oh, well, I want to go against small Amber because I think I can take her. And it's like, okay, but not everything is going to be hall brawl. Yeah. Right? So then, like, what's the... And I, and I get that you have to pick whoever you think the weakest person is. I get it. It's a tradition on the challenge. Totally. But it's just consistently based off. Like, you've never heard anyone say, oh, well, this person did really good on the daily challenge today. So maybe they're good at blank. Yeah. It's just, this person's small, and I think they're not good. <laughs> right? And it's like, uh, okay, sure. Like, it's, it's just really weird. But speaking of that crew... The two Ambers, Gabby and Big T. It's a solid squad. I like it. They're just calm and cool. Yeah. Chill. I like it. Well, I also really like, I really liked how Big T conducted her business in this episode. Yeah. And she goes to her partner, CT, outside. He's wrapped in a blanket, looking like Baby Yoda. And Backing darts for sure. So he. It's so obvious that CT is hacking darts on like an hourly basis because we only ever see him alone outside regardless (laughs) of the weather far from the building like he's clearly i think Devin smokes when he's been drinking but like i think ct is the only like real smoker like i bet he showed up with a carton and he's clearly just like off by himself and in a way it works for ct that he has that disgusting habit because it's keeping him away from like the drama right because like he can always just say like i was having a smoke (laughs) like well when big t first comes out and she starts to she first starts to talk he's like don't worry there's nobody out here yeah like he knows because he's been out there for how long right but the conversation they have and the way that they handled their business in this episode was perfect because even in this initial part i liked how ct acknowledged his place in the house mm-hmm. right like oh okay i'm gonna sit back and if this what is this what she wants to do on what we assume is gonna be a girl's challenge cool i'm gonna let her do her thing because clearly she has allies in this house people like her she's a good she's a nice person she's a great person people like her and people clearly don't like him <laughs> right so he's just like i'm just gonna sit back for a bit and let my partner be nice and by you know osmosis maybe they'll think i'm nice too so he took care of she took care of her side he came back to the dudes Devin and kyle 
who also who agreed that you know these rookies are smart like they're confrontational but they're not starting it yeah they're I assertive if you're if yeah if you're a bystander you respect that because it's not like what was my guy's name joseph who like tried to talk up and just go at Wes. Yeah. Or even Corey early on. Remember when he just tried to talk up and go at bananas in the vets? It's not like that. These girls are just hanging out with each other, playing their position, listening to everyone be like, oh, look at these little girls. They're so weak. I'm going to go for them. Any one of those girls. So, yeah, I was for it. Also, everything about it. I mean, we're going to see it play out in this episode. But if you think about it, Big T and CT are really and truly the only partners that are working as partners that are on the same page and like are discussing the politics and working in tandem. There's some others that are like pretty close to that. Like Jay and Teresa clearly like and respect each other, but they're not like one hundred P on the same page. And like most of the others are sort of like running their own agendas and maybe what they want lines up. But not not always. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I hear you. So we get to the daily challenge. And um, before anything can happen, TJ announces that he's deactivating an agent uh, because Natalie has to go home to deal with a personal issue, which I have to say. I'm really disappointed. Like, I thought, you know, she's not really doing a lot in terms of, like, the drama in the house, but she's an excellent competitor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it was a weird thing, right? Because it kind of came out of the blue, and obviously we don't get much details, nor when we hear that it's personal reasons. We don't need many details. It's just kind of like, ah, oh, that's too bad, as from a competitor standpoint. Yeah. Right? Like, obviously... You know, we wish her well and whatever she had to go home and take care of. And we hope everything at home is okay now. But from a, a game or TV show standpoint, it's like, oh, I wonder what would have happened. But, but I wasn't expecting what happened next when the car rolls up and it's clear that someone else is coming back in. And when the car rolled back up, I'm like, it's Ashley. I knew Ashley was coming back. Like when the car rolled up, I was like, I know what's happening right now. And I think I called it like weeks ago, whenever she got eliminated, I'm like, there's going to be some twist where I just have a feeling she's coming back. And I emphasize it then. And I'll emphasize it again. Now that was based off nothing that she told us. In fact, when we did the interview with her and people should go back and listen to the interview. But when we did the interview with her, she didn't even tell us that the challenge season was like coming up in like a month. Yeah. She didn't even tell us that. So we didn't even know, like we knew that there was a season. We knew that they came back from filming, but she didn't tell us anything at all. And so it was really weird to see how it would play out. And I think because, you know, one of the telltale signs to me anyways, about how well someone does on the challenge is how active they are on social media. Yeah. Once the season starts and how active they are about the show. And I think because she was so active early on, at first I thought, okay, it's because maybe it's because she's she's out early. And then when she got out early, I was like, okay. But then it kind of continued, and I was like, no, I think I, I think I'm onto something here. I think she's coming back. But what did you think of Ashley being back? Because I think it's great for the show. Like, I think it's I think it's great for the show. I how can I put this? 
this has not been the most exciting season of the challenge. Mm-hmm. And Fair. Ashley Millionaire Mitchell spells excitement. True. On the True. court, off the court, she fucking brings it. And her her partner Corey, who she's teaming up with because uh, she's straight up replacing Natalie. He knows Ashley well. They were on the same season of The Real World together. They go way, way back, uh, as you heard on our podcast with her, our interview with Ashley. They're mm-hmm. friends in real life. Like They don't always yeah. agree on like how to go about their business in the house, but like they like each other. And yeah. he says in confessional, he's like, I'm so glad to see her because we are friends, but like I don't know which Ashley I'm getting. Am I getting the like puzzle queen, the two-time winner, the three or four-time finalist, or am I getting Hurricane Ashley? And so like I'm excited for Corey. I like that team, but also I'm excited for we the viewers because she's as we always say, she's a five-tool player. She's great at the competitions. She's great at the politicking which a phrase she came up with, so it's fair to apply it. She's great at the uh, politics. She's great at the social game. She's great at the confessionals. Like She's a good narrator, which this season, now that Wes is gone, kind of, and like Tori, spoiler alert, Tori's gone. Like we're basically down to CT, Corey, and Devin and Kyle doing like the heavy lifting in terms of telling the story. And Anissa too. Anissa's pretty Kill good. Cam. Yeah. yeah, sorry, sure. Cam too. Um. Yeah, totally agree with you from a, a viewership standpoint. Of course, it's great to have Ashley back because she is pure entertainment, pure reality TV. For Corey, I think this is a good partner for him because Ashley knows the game. Uh, she knows, like you kind of, the experience side of it in terms of what's coming up or how you react to the twists and turns. I think those things matter. And so having that from Ashley as opposed to Natalie, even though Natalie might be the better quote unquote competitor, I'd, I think I'd rather be partnered with Ashley. But either way, I'm interested to see how that plays out. This challenge though, I was super interested to see how it played out because this looked hard. Right? Yeah. There's so many layers to it. Like it started off with the men having to pull a rope through a hole and basically, once you get to a certain point, how, did they say it was 200 feet, the rope? Yeah. Like, once you pulled it all the way up onto the platform, then you had to go over and hold your partner from falling off of this platform that is suspended however high in the air. Now, <laughs> this looked hard because I don't know how much rope work people have done. Right. And like that's a thinner rope, but you're still doing rope work in terms of pulling the rope. So your arms are going to be tired from just pulling the rope. And then you're telling me I have to hold up another human being, another grown ass person. <laughs> I have to hold them up. What? Come on. That that was a hard, 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 hard challenge for the dudes. And then for the women, it's like your livelihood feels like it's in this other person's hands like that side of it's hard too what did you think of this challenge i thought it was very hard as soon as i i saw the rope work for those of you who've never done battle ropes or any kind of rope work 
it seems easy for maybe the first minute, would you say? Like at first you're like, oh, this is fine. And then like, like the first couple tugs, you're like, oh, this is easy. And then like you sort of hit a rhythm and then everything starts to burn. And one of the clever designs of this uh, competition was the way they had the rope coming out of the platform they were standing on. That's the exact same angle and position you'd want to be standing to hold your partner up. So in other words, they're activating your lower back and your arms and your calves and everything that you would want to hold your partner up is getting just shredded by that rope. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. It, it was super hard, like super hard. The other part I didn't realize until after the end of the first heat was, so once you fall off, you're just dangling there until the entire heat is over. Yeah. I'd be terrified of that. Right. Like I'd probably be more scared of that than when the, my partner's holding on to my hand. Right. Like, you know, who also doesn't like it? Durrell, who's renowned for his fear of heights. He, he says that like, he's going to have a hard time going over the ledge and he's over to the ledge, I should say. And he also says to help uh, Amber B. And he also says that, you know, if he's there too long, he'll suffer from height shock and that we should Google it. I Googled it. I didn't see anything. It's all like shock <laughs> collars and shit like that. Um, so I don't know what our guy Durell is talking about, but I, I believe him joking. that he's scared. I thought he was joking and made it up the whole time. But hey. Well, I was I was taking notes, so I was like, "Well, Fair I'll enough. Google this. I'll find yeah. out." There's a commercial break. I watched it live. We got some time. We got some time. I hear you. Uh, my question for you, though, is: so heat one, right? If I were to tell you, in this ropes competition, just pulling the rope, and you have Leo, who's the professional wrestler, right? Mm -hmm. Darrell, Nam, Jay, Leroy, and Devin. And we know Devin's not trying, but out of that crew, I don't think Devin would win even if he was trying, but out of all those people, who's a person that you would think would win the pulling the rope portion of this challenge? I had assumed Durrell, to be honest. Yeah. I really thought it could be Durrell. And last, then I think, yeah, he was last um, or second last. And then I would have thought Nam who got off to a really fast start. Like he was dominating and he had good technique with like no wasted motion. Mm -hmm. um, and Kyle uh, in the second heat did really well. But it was Jay that was done first. Yeah. And he just dominated this whole competition. Like a really impressive showing. Yeah. And Jay holding up Teresa. And it's funny. It's funny how we went from... Um, Tori talking about who's a layup and wanting to go against all the small girls to the very next challenge being, oh, it's probably very beneficial to have a very small girl as your partner yeah. in this challenge, as proven by CT and Big T in round two. But yeah, Jay and Teresa won the first one by a long shot. Like it wasn't even really close. Also, uh, Nam, Nam was there for a bit, but also wasn't really that close. Jay is the third smallest guy in the house like michi 
and Leo are definitely smaller than him, but then it's Jay. Like, Jay's not, to your point earlier, he's not the biggest guy in the house. Like, he was up against some big boys of the house. For sure. And I totally agree. It was crazy. But this is this is one of the things I really like and respect about Jay is he's sneaky athletic. Yeah. Right? Like, he might not be jacked, but he's got great stamina. He's really smart about his balance. I don't know if you noticed, but at one point, when Nam let go, he uh, Jay had all his weight on one foot, and he had his right foot out to the side, so that like to keep the blood flowing. Oh yeah. yeah. And like switching, like I mean, first of all, that's incredibly athletic to be able to like shift your weight around like that while you're holding someone up, but also just like smart, like good good uh good strategy yeah and you know his strategy was really good in round one and in round two ct and big t strategy of let me see that mean face that seemed to work big t afraid of heights terrified of heights but ct we talked about it when they were put together in terms of this partnership that they balance each other well and especially ct because he's been in the game for so long, because he's had so many different partners, he kind of knows how you have to play each person differently. And we talk about it a lot. People fall apart because they get partnered with someone and they don't know how to communicate or they don't know how to work within the team. And I can't give CT nearly enough credit for just how well he was able to work with Big T, for how well he was able to know his role that he has to play, which is basically just to big her up and show confidence in her. And that should happen so much more. And every time it does happen during a season of the challenge, when we see it, you're like, don't other people take notes? Don't other people realize that it doesn't help you to like yell or get mad at your partner? Like you're way more beneficial to your squad if you you hype the person up and like, let me see that mean face. It's almost like he was talking to like a little kid yeah or a toddler or like his little sister yeah right and like that's kind of the relationship and she was so scared but it worked and got, got to give them credit the, sorry i'll let you go well I was, I was gonna say the thing about ct is he he's so personable and he's so smart like he's been around the block more than anyone else on this show mm-hmm. uh and you know as soon as he was forced to partner with big t he immediately said to her, like when he was called down to partner with her, he immediately said, like, Big T, you're exactly the person I wanted. And like, I think he was sincere. And like, I think he recognizes that they're quite complementary in like what they bring to the table. And I think he also correctly sees that in a lot of ways, she's a blank canvas. Like if you just encourage Big T and like help her accentuate her strengths and like cover up her weaknesses which would be her size and comparative lack of athleticism then you can go far because like ct is physically dominant enough that he can literally and figuratively do a lot of the heavy lifting so yeah like he's totally right like have a positive attitude be nice and encouraging on and off uh the field like when you're in competitions you'll do great I think the interesting part too is if you compare ct and tori 
in terms of their experience on the show and then their understanding of what makes a good competitor in the challenge, right? So under Tori's experience or Tori's explanation of things, she would look at Big T and say, oh, I, I think B Big T's a weak player. CT, on the other hand, one of the reasons why he loves working with Big T is because she's willing to try and do anything. Mm -hmm. like she's terrified of heights, but she said, oh, no, but I have to do this. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that part of it is such a major, major, major part of the challenge that if you're just not afraid or you're at least willing to give it a go, of course, you want that partner 10 times out of 10, as opposed to the partner who might be uh, afraid of water or afraid of heights or, you know, who's just going to quit because they don't want to do this and they're scared. Right. But they might be really, really strong and really, really good at running, but they're terrified of heights. So they just quit right away. And that to me was a really interesting part of all this. The one thing that I found interesting was we knew who won when CT was counting down five, four, three, two, one before he dropped big T. Right. Yeah. Like I, I caught that because in my mind, if you're filming it as a production team, before heat two begins, you're going to say, Hey, this is the time you need to beat this time to win. Yeah. That would be my assumption. That'd be right? my assumption too. Or, or even if that's not the case, I'm sure they probably have an Apple watch or something. If you're CT and you're able to time how long the other team was up there for yourself. So even if it's not production doing it, which I'm pretty sure it would be production doing it, there is a way that he would have known, but for him to just, we see him count down five, four, three, two, one. And then we're told they were the winner by five seconds. Right. Yeah. It just makes too much sense. The um, either way, credit to them, man. That, that was a great performance. Absolutely. Great credit to them. I will say I noted down, like as soon as they explained the competition, I was like, Oh, CT and big T will be well suited to this. Given the oh, yeah. size <laughs> difference ratio between the two of them, like, as, cause like, you know, Jay versus Nam, like Teresa's tall and athletic, but she's not as big as Lolo. So I was thinking like yeah. when it came down to those two that I was like, you know, Nam's obviously physically stronger than Jay, but Lolo's also probably much heavier than Teresa exactly. just by like muscle mass. So like that's a totally. problem. Totally, totally. Uh, the one funny thing before we we move on from the challenge was Josh and his terrible gameplay. How like he's clearly tired, and it comes down to him and CT. And CT's not struggling at all, but Josh barely is able to get out the words because he's so tired. He's like, "CT, just drop her, man. Just drop her. Let's cut a deal, man. You're not on my radar. You're not on my radar." And CT's like, "No, you drop her. <laughs> yeah. like, you go." And then obviously Josh, you can see he's just struggling so much. <laughs> and it's like, I mean, I guess maybe it's editing, but seeing Josh's gameplay throughout the years, it's like, nice try, Josh. I also yeah. liked that when Josh was suddenly trying to cut this deal, see this again, like we say this all the time, that's such a big brother thing, but my guy, <laughs> this is not it big is. brother. It is, yeah. And as he's doing that, Nani's like, what? No. Like, what are you doing? 
<laughs> like she's like panicked like, like no 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 <laughs> like but and we've seen it happen in the challenge you're right though it happens to big brother all the time we've seen it happen in the challenge at times but this is definitely not the situation that it would happen in like no. why would ct be like yeah sure josh go ahead i'll let you win this round like what and it doesn't even make any sense at all but again it's josh so i guess it makes all the sense in the world the the other thing is given ct's situational awareness of the time whether it's because he's been told or because he's just keeping track on his apple watch or whatever all ct has to do is look over at josh and see like the sweat pouring down his face and he would know okay if i let go if i make this deal with josh I let Big T go. So Josh and Nani win the heat. There's no way this guy is going to beat Jay, who I do not have a deal with. So, like, what do I get? Like, there's there's no benefit in making a deal with the team that wins second place. Not that CT and Big T have issues with Teresa and Jay, but, like, that's a useless deal that Josh was offering. Completely useless. But, again, it's Josh. <laughs> that's all i got i also heard you guys last week talking about a segment about saying something positive about josh no that's definitely not a thing that would never happen i would never try to come up with something nice to say about josh every episode no not a chance uh, it's funny though yeah we we basically said it for the for the ha-has so oh, yeah. no, no 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 for sure i totally like the sentiment yeah behind it, but um uh, you know what i really did like though what's that what i've coined well we coined it the liquor dome right we decided that was it. yeah but big t in the vip i was a fan of i, I was gonna say i well i thought you were gonna say that what you liked was big t showing her mean face to tj as she walked <laughs> off hand in hand with ct <laughs> that was pretty good that was pretty good but yeah i liked big t um setting up her own vip lounge i loved how everyone played along and like some of it was just like jokes and some of it was like actual game talk like i, I liked it it was it was fun and it's like i love that big t had on her extensions she had on uh like jewels glued to her face like i like that she brought her a game oh yeah she was ready for it she was ready for it um, I like to, you mentioned the the gameplay mixed in with the jokes. And I love that Ashley, which is why Ashley's such a good player. I thought it was interesting how Ashley in her confessional was the one that's like, oh no, I see what Big T's doing, but I like it. I approve of it, right? Using it as a joke, but also sneaking in some gameplay. It was super smart. Who is not super smart is Tori. Nope. Again. I need you to help me make sense of this, okay? I don't think I can, but I'll try. So, you're Tori. You know that Big T is now in power. So, that means that you know that there's a possibility that you might be going in, right? There's a possibility. Like, it's on the table. But then again, you might want to go in, but you have no control over that because you have no relationship with Big T. In fact... You keep talking about Big T and her crew about how weak they are 
and how you think that you could take out or you want to go in against one of her friends or any of her other friends. So when she asks you, right? Like she just asks you the question, what do you, who would you want to go in against? You decide to tell her that there's a group of girls in the house that you think is weak, but you want to go in against any one of them. What? What kind of strategy is that? I don't know whose strategy is worse. Maybe it makes sense that Tori and Fessy are friends because they have the worst gameplay strategy of all. She just asked you who you want to go in against. First off, she's not going to listen to you and choose who you want to put in anyways. So you might as well just lie. But you know what you shouldn't do? Tell her that you want to go in against one of her friends because you think they're weak. That makes no sense. Well, that's that's exactly what I was going to point out. Not just that makes no sense, but it especially makes no sense saying it to Big T. Because it's yeah. not a secret that Big T and the Ambers and Gabby are friends. They're all in the they're all sharing a room. They're all hanging out. They're having circles. It's just like it's not news to anyone that Tori and Fessy are attracted to each other. Just like it's not news that Tori and Anissa are good friends. You did like all the people are doing is sitting around in this house all day watching each other. So you know that Big T is friends with the Ambers and you know that she's friends with Gabby. Like it's it's right there. So you just like Tori just went to her and was like basically said she wasn't this blunt, but she's like, yeah, I want to go in against one of your friends because I think they're shit like that's not that's not going to work. Do you know why I think this happens, though? I think it's because like Fessy. She on a on a lesser level than Fessy, right? But you have this false sense of security because you think that you're so good. And so you think that people are afraid of you. Again, with the assumption being that you think every challenge is gonna be physical. Right? Mm-hmm. So in her mind, she's like, Oh well, big T, they're afraid of me. So they're gonna do what I want what I want because I'm one of the strongest girls in the house. Mm-hmm. Not taking a step back and realizing that. The only thing that matters at this point is numbers. Mm-hmm. That's it. Nothing else matters at this point. Well, I shouldn't say that. Winning the winning the challenge and then numbers. That's the those are the the two things that matter right now at this point in the game. Because the other part is even if you win, at least you're choosing one person to go in, but that doesn't mean you have the numbers to control who the other who the house is going to vote for. So it just made no sense. And Amber, I know I kept referring to her as the other Amber because of my love for Big Brother Amber. But I really like what what little Amber did here. Or is it Amber M? It's Amber M, yeah. I like what she did here because she confronts Tori. And I just like how she flipped it. I like when people take an argument that's happening and then they flip it on the other person. Right. I like she. So she says to her, I don't like that you're going around the house telling everyone else that we're weak or that I'm weak, but you're not telling me that I'm weak. Yeah. To me, that's weak. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, ooh, I like that flip. Well played. And it kind of makes sense. Like you're going around the house acting all big and bad saying you want to go against us or me, but you're saying it to everyone else but me. Why? 
that's kind of weak. Yeah. I said, hmm, you know what, you know what she just did? That wasn't weak. <laughs> no. Was, I like it. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. I was a little worried when I saw Amber uh, initiate that conversation because I was like, hmm, like Big T's doing a great job acting on your behalf. Yeah. Don't, don't let your friend Jack Daniels whisper in your ear and blow this up. Like, so, you're so close, Amber. Keep it cool. She did, but there was a moment where I'm like, Ooh, I don't know. You know the theory of, like, the fake tough guys, right? Like, the fake tough guys or the, the bullies. Yeah. You know, where people, like, you know, and, and I, I know it's kind of a, a, a mixed analogy here because, like, Tori's not really being a bully. She's not really bullying her, but she's trying to intimidate these girls because she's bigger than them and she thinks she's better than them. And, you know, I'm always reminded in these situations of, and follow me here, I know this might be a stretch, but one of my favorite clips in NBA history okay. was the mics behind the net picking up a conversation and it was Boogie Cousins, like, intentionally fouled or, like, hard fouled someone on the Kings. And this is when Zach Randolph, no, sorry, someone on the Grizzlies. And this was like towards the end of Zach Randolph's career. And if you know anything about the NBA, Zach Randolph isn't really someone that you play with. And so Boogie Cousins was like either talking shit to someone on Randolph's team, on Zach Randolph's team, or like hard fouled them or tried to do something. And so they're yapping back and forth, but you could tell Boogie doesn't want anything to do with <laughs> Zach Randolph. And rightfully so. But the mic picks up the conversation and you hear Zach Randolph because you can see him melt the words, but then they played it another angle and you can hear him say it. And he says, where I come from, bullies get bullied. <laughs> <laughs> and I always love that just because it, it was one of those things where it's like when you confront the bully, you find out who the real tough guy is. Yeah. Right? And I feel like Amber in this situation took it upon herself to confront the bully and I'm using bully in air quotes because you know as I said Tori's not really bullying the girls but in a sense she's playing the fake tough girl role here right where I'm bigger and badder than all of you guys so you guys should be scared of me and Amber's kind of like wait a second so why do you think that you're better than me just because I'm small like you don't even know what the challenges are I like it I like it where too I come from bullies get bullied <laughs> what I thought was funny was that everyone was so clear on what was happening. Cause like they cut to a confessional with Nani and Nani was like watching this exchange mm -hmm. and was basically like, Tori, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, oh, yeah. And then later the next day uh, we've got, because here's the thing, right? Tor uh, uh, Nani, Nani knows what's going on because she can see it. Why? Because that's a G check. We call that a G check, right? Yeah. Like you're checking. Well, for people who might not be familiar, you're essentially checking someone's gangster, right? Yeah. Tori's walking around all tough. Tori's walking around all big and bad. And in this case, Amber's like, no, I'm a G check you. I'm gonna check your gangster right now. Like, wait, why won't you tell me that you think I'm weak? And if you if you're standing by, as you just mentioned, Nani, you can see the energy of the conversation, right? 
you can see what's going on and kind of pick up on, oh, Tori, what are you doing? You just created a whole thing for yourself for no reason. And Nani, of all people, right? Remember Nani chucking noodles and whatever? She knows Messi. She definitely knows Messi, but she's like, ah, this is not a good look. And she sees exactly where this is going. Well, the next morning, Anissa and Tori are speaking and they see exactly where this is going. They see that deliberations are coming up and they're both probably going to go in against each other. So they start working the house and they have sort of a montage of them going to all the vets, doing their best to lobby. And they've got, you know, Tori talking to Cam and Leroy. And they've got uh, Anissa approaching people. And they've got Tori, this is my favorite, talking to Teresa. And, ter- and Tori goes, so you're going to burn your vote. And Teresa goes like, oh, yeah, for sure. And Tori turns to leave the room. And Teresa like shakes her head like, yeah, no, I'm the not. The look on her face was just like, ooh, this is not going to go well. And, like, keep in mind, Anissa had been saying that to her, Tori and Teresa are like home. Like Teresa's like in that social mix yeah. as an OG vet. So, and like, you know, like Cam, Cam also said in confessional, like, oh, like Tori and Anissa are like dunzos here. Like everyone, all the veterans are just like, well, they've, they're fucked. And like, I'm not part of this. <laughs> think about it, right? Think about how this all played out. Again, the stench of what Fessy just did and y'all ride with Fessy. But mm-hmm. also, y'all, because Fessy and Anissa had won so much, she's had this power. And then obviously Tori's been walking around as if she also has said power. So if you're Cam, if you're... Uh, I was about to say Veronica, but Teresa, pardon me, they don't even look remotely close to the same. They're not even close to the same person at all. I apologize. They're, I don't think Teresa, they're not even the same race. <laughs> it's not. No, but I'm just saying like maybe it was Veronica, Teresa. I don't know. I'm an idiot. Know. But the point remains. The point that I'm trying to make is if you're one of the vets in the house, right, guys or girls, whichever side your allegiance is on here, right? If you're presented with the option of putting in Amber, who you would probably want to go into the elimination with yourself, or putting in Anissa versus her friend, Tori, of course you're going to go for that option. Like, who's not going to go for that option? It makes no sense, other than Fessy, because Fessy doesn't understand how the game's played. But the deliberation, what do you think of the deliberation? I thought it was weird. It was a strange deliberation. It was funny. It was a strange deliberation. But what was the most interesting to me was how the people that were not involved in the debate had it right. So just to break it down, basically what happens is that Tori and, to a lesser extent, Anissa get into it with Gabby and Amber about, you know, rooks versus vets big versus small cats versus dogs salt versus pepper like Mm -hmm. just like trying to state their cases one way or the other and the people that weren't participating in this like ashley who said beforehand she's like i'm just gonna keep my mouth shut she's like i'm back in the house i don't want any of this action i just don't want people to see me i'm just gonna be quiet um 
Kyle also says, uh, you know, like you, you want, like you just should be, people should just be keeping their mouths shut. He said that in confessional and Devin said, you know, the more people talk in these deliberations, it indicates how much shady shit they've been doing. And he said, and Tori's just talking and talking and talking. It's true. Like Tori, like do less. Yeah. And we reference this all the time because shouts to Michael Smith and Jamel Hill who are getting their uh, due now after leaving ESPN, after talking about all the things that ESPN suddenly now wants to talk about all the time. But Michael Smith and Jamel Hill were talking about that like three, four, five years ago on ESPN. And they basically forced them out of ESPN, if we remember correctly. But I always pay homage to them because one of the great segments they had on their show was called Doing Too Much. And Tori was clearly doing too much in this situation. Anytime that there's a montage of you just talking and they're not playing the words that are coming out of your mouth, you could tell that you're just talking a bag of shit, right? Like you're just talking way too much and for way too long. And in this situation, the parts that we did here, it was just a lot of boss talking from Tori, right? And she was talking about, you know, I when I came in here, I had to earn my stripes and you can't just come in here and don't earn. And it's like, okay, you might be right. But that works if you have the numbers. <laughs> you don't have the numbers. Which back in the day, the vets always had the numbers and then they voted accordingly. That's how that game used to work. But those days are done, right? Like Bananas realized last year, oh, I got to come with a different approach and he worked better at getting the numbers on his side or on the vet side. Tori is here talking about vets and earning stripes when you don't have numbers. So doesn't matter. Well, think about this. It's not just that they don't have numbers. Think about the tone that was set in the very first episode where people went gunning for CT and Ashley. No one could have predicted that although Ashley was eliminated, she'd be back. But like CT's attitude, and he didn't put it this way, but he basically, his attitude is like, well, fuck y'all. Like Big T is who I'm rolling with. Ashley's back, and Ashley said this when she came back. She's like, Big T and CT are my only friends in this house. Yeah. So, like, Ashley and CT are the two winningest people in the house right now. They're not inclined to just back people up because they're a vet. Like, those two were, like, on their heels from the jump. So they're not, they're not going to be keen. Devin doesn't like most of the vets. He likes CT and Kyle. Right, like Kyle and Devin also are in, although they're vets, they're in a weird space where they're not from a real world show or road rules, right? And like, you know, the big brother people are vets, but they like run their own clique. So like, Mm -hmm. it's not like it was, you know, five years ago where everyone was on either the real world or road rules, and that's it. So it's easy to break down. Uh, Either you're a rook or you're a vet. Now it's, you know, oh, well, we're both British. Or like, oh, we're on Big Brother. Or like, we were on Are You the One? Or like, there's also, and like Kyle made this point earlier, people are getting smarter 
and like it's it's now not like oh well we've hung out for like the past three weeks and we're enjoying each other's company it's people now have longer memories which you know is also why fessy's moves were stupid because any further season of the show he wants to go on he's gonna have a tough time (laughs) yeah and you know as you mentioned earlier clearly the deliberation the plan should just be say less yeah because at the end of the day too like if you were tori or if you were anisa were you really gonna say anything that's gonna change the minds of people who are there like it's very rare that it's gonna happen that you're gonna say something that someone there's gonna be like you know what i was gonna vote for this person but you just changed my mind it's very rare where that works the only time it works is frankly a tv show so it entertains us yeah (laughs) The only time where it truly works is when someone volunteers themselves. Us. Volunteers themselves. Yeah. Yeah. True. 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 And you know, last season, I was really critical of Bailey when Bailey had that big blow up with Casey and, and basically it was Bailey versus the house. Yeah. And Bailey basically in deliberations didn't speak. And you might recall on the show, I was like, Bailey, like, you got to defend yourself. Like, you got to say something. But I thought of her in this scene tonight and thought, you know what? Like, Bailey might have been right. Like, if the house has made up their minds, there's really nothing to be gained to popping off. Aside from it being good TV, there's really, like, not, yeah, there's nothing to be gained. And, like, Tori has not learned this lesson. And Tori, I mean... Well before she found herself in this situation, in confessional, you know, when Big T went to CT about how she wanted to put in Tori, uh, CT said, I actually wrote down the quote here, CT actually said, ooh, Tori's in trouble. That's what you get for doing too much. And first of all, CT's right. Second of all, it just like Tori just keeps digging herself into this hole more and more. So you, you made the point earlier, right? Like, haven't you been paying attention to what's been happening? Like Wes got put in the elimination against Devin, right? CT has already gotten his name thrown around already. Like it's been vets for the most part that are being thrown in and voted in. So what makes you any different? Yeah. And like originally when they put CT in, um, CT and Ashley in, in the very first episode the goal was to have CT versus Wes and they're good friends for sure right like it ended up instead being Natalie versus Ashley but like the goal was CT versus Wes like that was the game plan mm-hmm. totally uh, agree totally agree I do have to like, ask you though what do you think of Big T's plan because Big T and CT they the team Big CT they find out that basically the whole house is voted in um, Anissa, essentially Anissa. <laughs> and, um, you know, basically Big T's plan has come together flawlessly. What do you think of this? Like, how, how well do you think she played her hand here? I think she played it perfectly. Like, she knew already that, again, she has numbers just built in from her squad. Right. The difference with her squad as well is that they're playing as a team. Right. So like Amber 
Amber, B, and Durrell, they're going to vote as a team, right? Leo and Gabby, they're going to vote as a team. So when other people in the house, even, you know, look, Leroy voted for his own partner, Anissa. Yeah. So he voted for himself and Anissa. Like, what kind of risk is that, that he could have been voting for himself? Yeah. Right? Not knowing that it's a guy's or a girl's elimination. So the point I'm trying to make, though, is that Big T already knew that she has the numbers on her side. And that's before you get to the part where the other people who might not be on your side, when you tell them, hey, this is what if we put in Anissa, they can put two and two together and know that you're going to shoot big and put in Tori against Anissa. So they're going to be on board with that plan, too. So it was just well thought out and obviously well executed because you got the numbers to fall in line for you. And Tori and Anissa knew what was coming because you could tell how rattled they were. So it just made for a pretty, you know, I guess, they, you know, there was a lot of filler before we actually got to the elimination. But we knew that at the end of the day, hey, it's going to be Tori versus Anissa. And that's what we ended up getting. Um, this time it did work out. I mean, it's worked out for the most part, their assumptions on, you know, is it going to be a guy's elimination or, or, a, or a girl's elimination? And, you know, this challenge or this elimination was a great example of what we kept talking about in terms of, you don't know what the challenge is going to be. Do you know that, you know, if it was Gabby in there instead of Anissa, or if it was a uh, little Amber in there against Anissa, because Tori's super strong. Yeah. The only difference in that whole entire elimination was that you have to keep pulling it from the beginning and have the momentum to tip it over. Like you couldn't just tip it over from the very end. That has so little to do with actual strength. Do, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's a perfect part. And forget the karma aspect of Tori talking so much trash about being so good. And then forget about losing, but losing in that way. Mm -hmm. Ugh. Well, that's just again, shit. it's it's remarkable to me that the people on this show just are not learning. And like I know LT and I went over this last episode, but like one of the best co uh, competitors of the past five years is Jordan, who has one hand, and yet we've seen him beat people significantly larger than him at tug of war. Uh, do you remember when he beat Zach in that competition where they had to drive like um, a, an I-beam forward with a sledgehammer? Yeah. Zach, yeah. who is a massive, physically imposing dude, got beat in a sledgehammering competition by a guy who has one hand. And I, I'm bringing yeah. up Jordan's one hand not to shame him, but to praise him and oh, to sure. show how many of these competitions are about technique. And this is a classic example. Tori is a better athlete than Anissa. But Anissa, I venture to say, is smarter than Tori and mm -hmm. used her momentum. And early on, when they were throwing, had to throw the balls at the targets to, to break through, um, Anissa comprehended, like, 
immediately started coming up with faster ways of throwing the balls. Yeah. Like she immediately was like shot out the bottom targets. Like I'm just going to go for the easiest ones. And then for the higher yeah. ones, turned her back and started throwing them over her head. So it was a full body motion. Like, yeah, just, it's not all about strength and speed. It's about, there's always an element of intelligence to these. Yeah. I think Tori got some like major humble pie. Like that is a horrible exit from the challenge, right? Like we've seen bad exits before, definitely. But that's one of the worst when you really think about, because it's, it's not even about the fact that she lost to Anissa. It's the fact that you talked so much trash about the other girls being weak. And then the entire elimination was you trying to pull this thing and not being able to pull it. And just the visual of that, regardless of how hard it was, after everything you said, is such a bad look. And, you know, regardless of how hard it was, I mean, eventually someone helped her because Devin wasn't going to help her and tell her that she needs to go all the way back to the beginning and use the momentum of the track to turn the thing over. But just a horrible showing for Tori. And I wonder what she'll learn from this appearance on the challenge. And it's funny because Jordan normally comes on and he's the one talking trash and Tori's trying to calm him down. And this season it was just Tori talking trash, not to the levels of Jordan, but still on some level, you know, I'm big and bad. You guys don't want to go against me. I want to go in against this little person. And yeah, it backfired. She lost to her friend, Anissa. Julia is definitely the LVP of this episode. <laughs> yeah. Julia Lamana asks, can you guys please discuss how unlikable Tori is this season? She quotes, I'm not an easy competitor to beat. So now you guys should respect Anissa. So backhanded. LOL. I mean, Sheldon touched on it. The, the only thing I want to say of both Tori and Fassie, who, let's be, let's be honest, they're both blowing it. I think, you know, we have since learned, I, I know you don't pay as close attention as I do to the, to the gossip, but Tori said that she and Jordan were already on the rocks by the time this season was filmed. Like they'd broken up, they'd gone back together. At this point they were together, but like things were quite shaky. Mm -hmm. And Fassi is also coming off of a breakup. And shouts to Haley, by the way. <laughs> Big brother fans will know Haley, Fessy's girlfriend Fessy's girlfriend from the show. Former girlfriend. And just like former girlfriend, ex girlfriend, yes. When you go through a major breakup, you're a little bit crazy for a while, you know? <laughs> yeah. And because especially, like, if you're Tory, you know, uh, if you think about it, arguably the biggest decision of her life that she's ever made is getting engaged. Mm -hmm. And it hasn't worked out. You could argue she was wrong about it. And that really fucks with your self-esteem and it affects your decision-making and maybe there's overcompensation, say, doing too much 
talking too much trash where you're right in the past Troy's been like fun and humble and like upbeat and like everyone loves her this season not so much uh so I wonder how much Tori and Fessy's personal lives and personal turmoil is affecting their decision making and how they're carrying themselves but I agree with our listener Julia not not Tori's best season in terms of uh like when she, hopefully she looks back at the season uh, and learns from it, you know, it's yeah. an opportunity for growth. Because I do like Tori, like not a great season for her. I like Fessy too, not a great season for Fessy. I just hope they learn from their mistakes. That's all we can ask in life. No, that's fair. It's very fair. Totally agree. Um, so... We basically, we sort of glossed over it. We got straight to the heart of it, but the elimination was called asset destruction. They had to pull a cart on ropes towards them that contained bombs, which were essentially soccer balls and medicine balls, and knock down 13 targets. Anissa gets out to this fast lead because Tori can't get her crate to tip over. Tori eventually figures it out and like sort of makes a game of it, but... Anissa's lead is too big. Anissa wins. Tori goes home. Um, there, <laughs> I I did not understand this bit at all. Anissa steals Fessy back from Casey. Like, why would you want to do that? Um, yeah, it's a tough one. And then, especially because you have your skull. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know. That's like, a tough one for sure. Why would you sign up for more of that nonsense? Especially like Leroy's a great partner. And like Leroy more, I mean, even Fessy didn't want to be Anissa's partner again. But like, I'd much rather team up with Leroy. Like I would, I would scurry off the sinking ship of Team Big Brother in a heartbeat. Well, even Casey was like, you can have him. Like he didn't even do well in the last challenge, (laughs) whatever. Right. So it, it was interesting. But Fessy, I think much like we said or we were just discussing Tori's karma came back around Fessy's karma came back around and that was you got back with Anissa right yeah. you did all that and now one of your best allies on the women's side of the house is gone in Tori and now you're back with Anissa and you have even less friends now Right. You got rid of one of your friend, your quote unquote friends in Nelson. You still got Josh hanging around because of Casey, obviously, but he's cheesed. And who knows how much they'll really trust him going forward. Corey doesn't fuck with you. Nobody else in the house will fuck with you. And Nisa obviously is just going to use you at this point. So, yeah, good job, Fessy. Way to go, buddy. Um, my line of the episode, uh, it really... Uh, maybe not my runner-up for line of the episode is Leroy and confessional because Leroy and Casey get back together and Leroy goes arms wide open Casey come just come hold me and don't let go (laughs) (laughs) so that's your runner-up what's your my line of the episode is let me see your mean face Well played, well played. Mine is also from Big T, and it's from the very end where she says, 
uh, when Tori's going home and she says, mission accomplished. It was a good day for queen and country. <laughs> well that, played, Big T. Well that, played. that was good. Um, we let's let's go over uh, our MVPs and then we've got some other things to talk about. So, yeah. So the MVP of the episode for sure is is Big T, right? Like, yeah, I mean, it's unanimous. I don't know how how tough that is. She won the episode. She had a plan. She had a big plan. She executed it. They well, first off, they won the challenge to then execute her big plan. Um, she fought through something that she might not have done before in terms of being afraid of heights with her mean face. Um, then she had a plan, executed it, used the politic game to get people to vote for her side, which was voting in Anissa, then made the big move to put in Tori to, to make sure that one of them would be going home, one of them from the other side of the house. And most importantly, she did it for her side of the house and for her squad that everyone was looking at as if they were weak and they couldn't do anything. So yeah, it was a good look for her. Good look for her Alliance. Good look for her partner CT and good look for queen and country. So yes, big T you killed it. I don't have anything to add on to what you said. Cause I agree big unanimous big T's the MVP just, you know, all her, machinations all of her political work significantly no one's mad at her you know what i mean like anise is not coming off that floor saying fuck big t i'm coming for big t there's not going to be any confrontation when they get back to the house between anisa and big t because it was just it was so artfully done and like frankly i mean you said tori gets the lvp she hung herself, basically, right? Like if in the unlikely event that Anissa comes at Big T and is like, oh, you made me go in against my best friend. Big T just has to say like, listen, she made it clear to both myself and to Amber that she was gunning for my friends. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> like end of the conversation. <laughs> like that's it. Uh, and also think about how without really having to lobby hard big t and to a lesser extent ct basically got a wide consensus right like you know oddly Corey voted for fassy's team to go in because he's trying to get fassy but that was just like ended up being a burn vote but the vast majority of the house voted for anisa to go in so like this is the work of many people. So Big T doesn't even deserve all the blame for it. So yeah. it was really masterfully done. We did have a, have a more uh, complicated question. Uh, Laura Hopcroft says um, that she was curious as to our thoughts, especially after the events at the U.S. Capitol, about the irony of the most diverse show on television majorly featuring a now widely co-opted symbol of white supremacy. And what she's referring to is the so-called Punisher skull, uh, which is basically the skull that they, the skull logo that they're using for when you win an elimination on the show. And 
you know, when they come into the house, like the main entrance of the house, there's a giant one. Uh, it's called the Punisher Skull after the uh, Punisher character from Marvel Comics. You know, he was introduced in the early 70s. Um, there have been hundreds of comics about him, three movies, a Netflix show. Like, he's, he's a big yeah. deal. Um, and now Marvel Comics is being put under pressure to retire the Punisher or get rid of his skull logo. Uh, for those of you not familiar with the Punisher, he's a former military vet or former cop, depending on what the origin story is, whose family was killed uh, by mobsters because at a picnic they stumbled into them uh, killing someone else. And so he uses his military knowledge to kill criminals. That's basically the, the long and short of it. Um, I mean, obviously, I don't think Bonham Murray realized that they were tapping into all that iconography. Um, and sorry, I, I should have explained a little bit further. So uh, some of the people that invaded the U.S. Capitol last Wednesday were uh, wearing the Punisher logo. Um, it has sort of become either a, a Blue Lives Matter thing or a, um, a white supremacy thing. I, I really don't think that they were realized that they were tapping into all this powerful iconography. What do you think, Sheldon? No, of course not, right? And I think, you know, it puts them in a weird position now because the bigger of a story that this becomes, you know, we might see something where they might have to go back through and try to edit out the logos, right? Just so that you don't see it, so that there's no association to it. But by no means, you know, do I think on any level there's some link between you know what the white supremacists are doing at the u.s capitol and what you know the logo makers for the challenge are doing um i just think it's a horrible coincidence and i wouldn't have even known anything about this until you brought it up to me um and yeah i think if you're if you're the challenge at this point, as, as more and more people or as this becomes a bigger story, the only thing you can do is just edit out the logo. Whenever you used it, if you're able to edit it out, you do that. Simple problem, no problem. No problem at all. And also, I, I think, well, I don't want to say that they have a great uh, record of dealing with racism necessarily on Bun and Murray shows. But this was, I mean, it's a, it's a stylized skull. And obviously, like, people have used skulls or images of skulls throughout human history because, like, we identify it in ourselves. So yeah. it's, a, it's obviously a horrible coincidence. But I'm sure, to Sheldon's point, they're going to work to not include that logo as often as they could. And, you know... Hopefully we all just move forward in the world of the challenge and, you know, next season they'll, 
maybe they'll use stars instead of skulls or whatever. It's unfortunate though. And like I have hundreds of Punisher comics. Like I love the Punisher. Uh but you know, if they retire him from Marvel Comics, I'd be at peace with that too. So no, I hear you. Strange times. Very strange times. Twenty twenty, right? Yeah. I mean it's twenty twenty one now, but Oh wait. <laughs> it's the thirteenth month of twenty twenty. Um, yeah, and I mean, continuing with the kind of like weird topics here, uh, I did say we were going to kind of talk about, uh, what happened to me over the last couple of weeks. I think, you know, we could talk about it a bit at the end here of the pod. And as mentioned, first off, you know, like I'm feeling a lot better. Like, you know, the voice is still a little raspy, throat's a little sore still, but overall, like in the grand scheme of things, um, feeling a lot better and the reason I wanted to kind of talk about this was because I, I posted I posted obviously that I had it and one of the things that for people that don't follow me on social I posted a note on I think it was New Year's Eve I posted that earlier that week I tested positive for COVID and it was a full-on message and people some people messaged me and did ask they're like oh i was kind of surprised that you posted it and made it public and it's kind of the same reason why i kind of want to talk about it now but the reason i did that was because i remember myself having a lot of conversations with you know friends family whoever and the conversation settled a lot around some form of the question Oh, so do you actually know anyone that actually got it? And, you know, sometimes the conversation is you're kind of questioning it. Sometimes the conversation is actually like genuinely asking the question. But a lot of what happened made me really think about how real this situation is and how real some people need to start taking this, right? Because I felt that I was taking it pretty seriously, but that didn't stop me from getting it right and it's not you know i'm not going to go too deep into like how i got it or anything but i'll say this much that it wasn't necessarily because of something that i did right i'll say that um but i feel like the 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 strange part here and the the part that we struggle with here as society like in this moment with what's going on is having the honest conversation or the real conversation about why we're still in this this situation where we're locked down right and i think if there is a lesson that we took from 2020 it's that we as society are extremely selfish right like we care about shit when it affects us and with this situation here um, people don't think that it's real because it doesn't affect them or it hasn't affected someone that they know. And I remember thinking before, like, well, before I got it, like, it's so weird to me that people would need it to happen to someone they know to take it seriously. Like, that was something that I thought before myself getting it. And even, I'll say, before someone in my family got it, right? So it's, it's, it's weird for me to see that situation, but I wanted to make it public because people need to take this seriously. And I don't think that there's enough stories out there or enough people talking about 
what some of the actual issues are when you go through it, right? Like I'll say, like I had all the symptoms, right? Like all the symptoms you're reading about, I had them. It was terrible. For three days, it was the absolute worst thing ever. And I'm fine now, but I wonder if people know that. And I know I'm kind of rambling here and I apologize, but I wonder if I think about every day when we turn on the news and you just keep seeing numbers and how desensitized we've become to just seeing numbers every day. And that's not really stopping people from doing what they're going out and doing, if that makes sense. Like what are the faces that we know consistently of people who have COVID, right? We keep seeing stories of long-term care facilities. So like old age homes and old people. And then if you follow sports, right? It's this person tested positive. They're out of the game for a week and then they come back and play. But we don't really know much about like remove the fact of the actual sports fan. that's just like, Oh no, my team's without their quarterback. Cause he got COVID what the hell. And they're mad about that selfish angle <laughs> that their football team that they cheer for is, is messed up. But we don't hear much about those people talking about their symptoms or them being asystematic or, how much or how bad it was for them. We don't really hear any of those stories. So that doesn't really make it real, right? It just makes it like a thing that you get and then it's gone and then whatever, cool, let's move on with our day. And so when you're trying to get people to wear masks, you're trying to get people to stay home, they're not gonna do that because the actual sickness of it isn't real to them. And it made me think watching the uh, I don't know how many college football fans there are, but I know we have a lot of Americans that uh, listen to the pod. But seeing uh, Tuscaloosa and Alabama won the national championship and the streets flooded. Same thing happened when the Lakers won. I mean, same thing happens across the world when whatever sports team that we decided to bring back sports wins, people in that city go out and party. Now, the thing that it made me think of was if someone does that, Right, They go out to that party and then they get sick two days later and they get COVID. Do we ever know about that? Right, Like, will that person make it public? Like, well, is someone admitting that they went out, did something stupid, caught COVID, and then are telling people that that happened? And that's where it really hit me in terms of we're, us being desensitized by the numbers because we see the numbers and then it's like, oh, it's all old people. But it's not all old people. Anyone that's gone to get tested John, you, I know we've talked about it, right? Yeah. You've gone and gotten tested before. And like when you go through that process, and yes, it could be a bunch of people in line with you that are testing negative. But when you go, there are people of all ages getting tested. So yeah. I, because again, I had it and because of the situation, like I was in the hospital, in a part of the hospital where there's a bunch of people who have COVID. And you're sitting there and you're, you're seeing like young people who are hooked up to the machines, getting all the tests and the all, the added tests, like after you have COVID, right? And I'm looking at that and you're thinking, okay, so if someone went to some party, and again, I apologize for rambling here, but I read an article the other day about the underground party scene in New York that's been going on during the pandemic, right? If someone did that, they go to some party during COVID and then they get it two days later, are they telling people that they got COVID because they went to a party? No, definitely not. 
right? And it, it really made me think, and that's the real issue that's going on here because people keep getting it because they're not being honest, right? Like, oh, I have a cough, but I'm still going to go wherever I'm going to go and I'm not going to tell the, anyone that I'm with. Right. And then they get sick. And then are they being honest in contact tracing? I mean, we're so far beyond that. Like, it's not really a thing anymore. So we won't find out that way. So think about when you're watching the news and you're watching the all these stories. How often do we actually hear about how people got it? And then, you know, how sick they actually got. And I just think there's a bunch of people that are sick that you're not going to hear about. And I'm not saying that everyone has to come forward. That's not the, the point of what I'm saying is not that the point of not, I'm not trying to say that everyone needs to come out and admit that they got it when they got it. That's not what I'm saying. So I hope this is not being misconstrued. My point is more the side of we all need to take this seriously because it's real. It sucks that we need it to happen to people that we know for us to think that it's real or for us to be reminded that it's real. But that's the part to me that we're missing. Like this isn't, this isn't real to a lot of people because it doesn't affect them or it hasn't happened to someone who they know. And I'm not going to get up on the soapbox to tell grown ass people to wear masks or, you know, anti, like we all know all these things that are happening, anti-mask protests. And I can say that's stupid, but I'm not, trying to be here and get up on a soapbox to tell grown ass people what they should do. We're grown ass people. You know what you should and shouldn't do. But what I will say is you don't want that smoke <laughs> of getting COVID. And I'm laughing to kind of mask it here, but like you really don't want that smoke. You might think, you know, you've heard people say, oh, it's like the flu or whatever. And it's like, yeah, cool. There are some people where they're asystematic or there are some people where they've only had a few symptoms and cool more power to them. I'm happy for those people, but I'm here to tell you, you don't want that smoke. So I guess my overall underlying message after ranting for way too long there is just simply be safe people. And hopefully we'll be back to our regular lives. Cause I hate the term things back to normal. Cause what the fuck's normal. And I feel like we've been saying that for way too long. So I'm kind of trying to find a different <laughs> way to say it, but somewhat too regular, right? Like having the one thing I'll say over these last few weeks, I've had like such weird thoughts about like the most basic things, like sitting in my boy's backyard, playing dominoes, like the most basic little things that you just haven't been able to do that you miss. Right. And then you add in the big things like, going to a Raptors game, right? Or like going to a concert. Like, I'm so happy I went to OVO. Splurged <laughs> on floor seats, right? Because remember, it was the summer the Raptors won the championship. Yep. The whole city's on a wave. I'm like, oh, I'm going to OVO. I'm paying whatever. I don't care. Getting floor seats. Like, I'm so happy to look back on that now and be like, yeah, that was an amazing night. The trophy was there concert was amazing blah, blah 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 and you just think about those things now and it's like because it's gone it's like oh yeah jeez i wonder when we'll be able to do that again and who knows right so i don't know apologize for the long rant but the point of of what i was trying to say was uh this is real for people who are wondering and at the end of the day there's so many layers so many other layers that i don't really want to get into i don't want to argue with anyone about conspiracy theories or vaccines or like i don't want to do any of that stuff like i'm not here for that 
argument, right? We're all grown people. But I did want to say you don't want that smoke. And again, I want to emphasize thanks to the people who did send messages because I got them, I read them, I appreciate them, appreciate the positive vibes. And sorry for just talking for like five straight minutes and not letting you in at any point. No, no, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm happy to give you uh, all the space you need to talk about it. And I want to say, uh, I was really, I, I was obviously very upset that you got sick. Uh, and I was worried about you. But also, I was really proud of you that you shared to social media that uh, you had a positive COVID-19 test and that you continue to be open about your experience. Because you're right, not enough people are taking this disease seriously and we're paying for that consequence now. Um, Longtime listeners of the show know that Sheldon and I are sports journalists and we're not, uh, I'll speak just for myself. I'm not supposed to say, like I have direct uh, direction from my bosses that I'm not supposed to say who I work for. I'm supposed to keep it vague, but we're like an hour 40 into this podcast and it's unlikely that they'll hear this. And it's also very easy to figure out who I work for. So I'll just say it. I work for the Canadian press and which is Canada's leading uh, newswire service. So it's the Canadian equivalent of the Associated Press, different company, but we are business partners with them. And early in the pandemic, like in... The second week of it, in March, I was transferred from the sports department to the Ontario department. So what I do now is less sports, although I do a bit of sports, but mainly I've been reporting on COVID-19 for the past nine months. And again, this is not a secret. If you follow me on, uh, you see a little bit of it on Instagram, but you see a lot of it on Twitter, this is my job. And uh, I'll tell you, part of my Uh, Daily responsibilities is every day at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time, the province of Ontario releases its updated numbers. So they release how many people have caught COVID-19 and tested positive in the past 24 hours since the last daily update. They post how many people have died, how many people have uh, had their cases resolved. So in other words, they're no longer testing positive. How many people are in intensive care? How many people have been hospitalized? How many people have been incubated? And now how many people have received a vaccine in the province? And my job in part is to write a story from that. And then, you know, I go about and do other things. But in this work, I've seen up front and pers- up close and personal, the effects of this disease. Uh, I'll tell you, I interviewed the very first person in Canada to receive the vaccination, who is a long-term care worker in downtown Toronto. I waited outside the hospital where it happened. For those of you who don't know Toronto, something like, I don't know, half of the hospitals are all on the same street in downtown Toronto. It's called, we call it Hospital Row. University Avenue, but like locals call it Hospital Row. Um, Early on in the pandemic, one thing that I had to do for a while was 
read obituaries from across the province and write down the names and biographical details of people who died from the disease. Because in the early stages, you know, we thought it was going to be done in like six weeks, eight weeks. And we'd been hoping to profile uh, everyone that had died from it. Uh, obviously, there is a certain point where we had to give up on that because there's just too many people dying from it. Yeah. Uh, on Monday, Ontario passed the uh, 5,000 death, uh, deaths mark in the province. And for context, nearly 15 million people live in Ontario. It uh, counts for approximately half of Canada's population. Um, and so, yeah, I'm exposed to the news and the sort of personal side of this on a daily basis. So I'm like hyper aware of the consequences, uh, not just of the disease, but like on our on economy, uh, politically. And we're going to be feeling the impacts of this calamity for years to come, if not decades. But as you said, Sheldon, people... It's, it's such a quiet disease because you're right, like 70% of the people that have died in Ontario are senior citizens who live in long-term care homes. And uh, the other majority are racialized Canadians. Um, and because of laws and sometimes people feeling shame, it's very hard to actually find out why people on an individual basis have caught COVID-19. And as you said, a lot of people don't know people that have caught it and like disclose that they caught it. I can tell you, I I told you before we spoke, before we started recording, that I know six people. I actually told Sheldon before five. And then as we've been speaking, I thought of another. I know six people who um, have had COVID-19 and they were all under the age of 40. Yeah. Uh, they obviously all survived. Um, this doesn't narrow it down, so I don't mind sharing it. Uh, a woman that Sheldon and I went to high school with has had COVID-19 twice. And although she's better now, she says that she still gets uh, like gray around her vision. Uh, my cousin caught it and, you know, he's... 24 i want to say and uh he lives in bc he's a construction worker so like a big physical healthy guy he tells me he had it three months ago and he still loses his sense of taste and smell from time to time it just randomly happens like he'll be eating a meal with his partner and suddenly he can't taste the food anymore uh so it is real and it is important to take it seriously and to wear a mask and to uh, maintain physical distance and only go outside when necessary. So to bring it back to you, Sheldon, I'm glad you disclosed uh, on this podcast and on social media that you what you went through because not a, it's it's not personal enough for people. It's yeah. personal for me because of my line of work and uh, the things I've uh, seen and done in the past like ten months uh closing in on 12 months and i'm happy to answer people's questions uh on twitter or instagram at j chidley hill uh don't come at me with that conspiracy bullshit because again like (laughs) i'm right up there i'm not gonna 
say I'm a frontline worker. I'm not. I'm not putting my life at risk, but I am out there and I am interviewing people that are frontline workers. So I'm just I'm glad to raise that awareness and hopefully people take it seriously when someone that they're familiar with online in you can say like, hey, it happened to me. And I, I will say also, I know Sheldon very well. I know Sheldon took no risks. <laughs> like Sheldon and I have had lots of conversations oh, like off air about is, being safe. It's what, January 13th? Mm-hmm. I, so I've been off work. I had a bunch of vacation time that I saved for the end of the year. So I've been off work since December 3rd or 4th. I've maybe left my house like four times. Yeah. Maybe four. And honestly, and like I've gone outside, like I have a backyard. So like I go outside and get air or whatever. Right. But like I'm talking about like leaving my house to go somewhere. Excuse me. I've probably left my house three times. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's weird. Right. And I think the, the thing that you touched on and I guess the word that I was looking for, but I'm not smart is our is um awareness right like people this isn't this isn't serious enough right like and when i I think about how mad i was getting when the and i don't want to go off actually i don't want to talk about it i don't even want to give the stupid restaurant guy the barbecue guy like airspace but i think about how many of the dumb things that have been happening that you're just looking at and thinking really like if you're going to go party or go do something stupid, like you can just go do it, like just go do it and be quiet. Right. Like I don't want to hear about it. Right. Like I don't need to hear about you. You know what I mean? Like if you really don't want to wear your mask or whatever, like then don't wear the mask, but then you can't come in blank space. Like that's, that's it. Like it's really not that complicated. Right. And so all these things that, that have just been happening, it's like, okay, it's a lack of awareness in terms of um, just how real it is. And it's funny because, you know, we all have social media, so we all see things that people have been posting for the past year, right? Yeah. And I'm gonna be honest, and I'm obviously not gonna say, I'm not gonna mention any names, but like, there were people that like, I watched you post things over the past however many months and then you're gonna message me and be like, hey, how are you? Hope you're okay. I didn't respond. And it's like people I know, right? yeah. like people that I know really well, mm-hmm. that like I would normally respond, like I should respond to this person. But like, I just couldn't find the words because I don't know what to say because in my mind, I'm kind of like, mm, yeah, <laughs> I don't know how I want this conversation to go, really, if that, if that makes sense. Yeah, right? because it's it's like I know you still don't take it seriously and I know there's part of you that is really just kind of trying to find out how sick I am because the, ridicu- the ridiculous part of it and the reason why we don't get more stories of people coming forward is because when we do get people who come forward then conspiracy theorists come out and they're like you're in the Illuminati or some like dumb shit like that Right. Like I was listening to a podcast with uh, uh, rapper Slim Thug was on with I think it was Van Lathan and Rachel Lindsay on The Ringer. 
and they were talking about uh, getting the vaccine and having COVID. And he was saying how much of uh, like fan mail, fan mail, like mentions, his mentions were filled with people saying that he's part of the conspiracy. Like he's part of this whole narrative that they're just putting up to make it seem like it's real. So they, there's this conspiracy theory that they got a bunch of freaking mid-level celebrities that they paid money to to say that they got COVID to make people think that it's real. And he's just like laughing. He's like, how ridiculous that is. He's like, I'm not that big time. <laughs> like who, who would pay me money to do anything? But anyways, uh, we got off, we got off track and I don't even want to give airspace to these stupid conspiracy theorists I, and all that stuff. I got to tell you, Sheldon. I just want to say like, take the shit for real, man. Yeah, take it for real. I, I do want to say, Sheldon, when you first told me that you were sick with COVID-19, I was so mad that you had not invited me to join the Illuminati. Like I thought we were <laughs> friends. How could you not bring right. me along into that wonderful world? It's like, I do like however many podcasts on my own time for myself and yeah you know on the side just get paid by the man it's like people are so stupid right like people are so dumb and it's funny because I, I i had this conversation with one of my friends right and i'm like i don't have enemies because that's not how i live my life like you know people say i would wish this on my worst enemy like i don't have enemies it's not how i live my life right like who who has time to to waste and breathe air into having enemies that's just weird to me but whomever people might think like if you were to have enemies and it's like i wouldn't wish this on whoever i dislike the most or whoever person like i would not wish that on anybody right so it's not even to the sense where i would say something like oh you know these people that are going to protest or whatever like maybe they have like i wouldn't even wish that on them like that's how fucked up it was right and that's the part to me where i stop and think about you know what is the other side of this? Like, what will it take? And that's the part that's kind of, I don't want to say scary, but scary. Cause like we're all in our houses again and mm -hmm. till when, and when does it stop? And you know, every state is different. And, and I pay attention to the basketball stuff like way differently. Cause like, obviously I cover the NBA, but like the whole thought process that sports Sports, I know, was supposed to bring back a sense of normalcy, but it also brought back a sense of lax. Yeah. Because, you know what I mean? Because it makes it seem as if things are normal. But you're telling people to travel around the United States of America and play games, right? And go from city to city where in one state, everything's on lockdown. And in another state, everything's wide open. And then you're going to put the expectation on young millionaires to when they're in, let's say New York or LA, Hey, you just got to chill in the hotel. You can't have lunch together. You can't do anything, but then they're going to go to Atlanta and it's everything's open and you're going to expect them to just stay inside just cause like, that's a, I'm just, my point is that's just a lot to ask. And I'm not saying that, you know, Obviously, I'm not defending people going out and doing stupid shit. I'm just saying it's a lot to ask. And even in my situation, my my life by nature, I lead it in a way where I always try to find or think about the other side to try to gain understanding of the other side and what's going on with the other side. Right. So 
it's such a weird thing in sports it's so weird. I watch sports all the time and I love sports and I love that the NBA is back. I'm, I love that the Leafs are back and they won tonight, but it's, oh, there's still always going to be a part of me that I find this all so weird because there's no fans and, you know, just the current situation. There's always going to be part of me. That's like, should this be happening right now? Right? Like, because it, it gives us this false sense of everything's okay, but that opens up a whole other can of worms that no mm-hmm. it's not necessary but shouts to the people who are still listening to this podcast right now. <laughs> huge shouts off the rails with john and sheldon right. um most importantly though sheldon i want to say that i'm glad you're healthy and i'm glad you're back lt did a fantastic job with us uh with me did. last week and i really appreciated him stepping up clutch performance by our guy um but I, that being said, I really missed you and I was concerned for you. And I'm just, I'm happy to see that you're healthy and that we're back talking about the challenge. Yes. Back talking to the challenge is the good sense of normalcy that I will take in this moment. Why? Because we do this from our couches. We do this at, from the comforts of our own homes. Where can people find you on social media? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Shell Alexander and on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. And, you know, shouts to the people liking and subscribing and rating the podcast, rating, reviewing on, on iTunes and SoundCloud and all these other places in YouTube, liking and subscribing, same thing. You know, really appreciate that. Like, again, I posted this for awareness. I posted this because I don't have a problem, you know, being honest about what's going on. And I try to, with all these projects that we do, give some form of real of like me so that you know me and what's going on with me. And that was part of the reason why I shared it. And the other side that was really like heartwarming, and I mean this genuinely, I don't mean it to sound cheesy was like getting all the messages from people who listen and ride with the podcast. And that's why we do it, right? Like we don't get paid to do this podcast. We don't make money off this podcast. We do it because it's fun. We do it to engage with you guys who are the fans of the show of the challenge and enjoy the challenge just as much as we do. And that's why we do it. And in the moment where things were rough for a while there, it did uh, give me a lot of positive vibes and positive energy to read that stuff from our faithful You Killed It listeners. So I appreciate that. And thank you from the bottom of my heart. I mean it. I mean it. I mean it. And I promise next week we'll be back talking just straight challenge and no mushy stuff. But I definitely needed to say thank you to all of you that sent me a message to like seriously check in and be like, hey, are you okay? Like, take as much time as you need i hope you're you're okay soon but you know just make sure you get healthy like that meant a lot mm-hmm. and that's the reason we that connection that you get with people you know that we read the comments every week from the people that we you know that messages and stuff that's why we do this podcast because of that connection that you make with people and it's a real connection so thank you uh, I already mentioned it. You can get me on Twitter and Instagram at Hill. <laughs> As I said, I'm tweeting about COVID. So, you know, you hear more about that. 
Um, rest in peace to MF Doom. And until next week, this was You Killed It. I don't know if my voice can do this. You killed it. B plus.